Welcome everyone to another episode of the podcast. A quick reminder, if you're listening to this right now, rate and review the show five stars on Apple's podcast app. If you want to watch the show, go to YouTube, search my name, Felix Levine, subscribe to my channel. There will be full episodes always there, smaller clips and highlights from those episodes, at Felix.Levine on Instagram. Go follow me there. I post small clips every time I drop an episode, so you want to stay up to date on what is dropping, go to my Instagram, at Felix.Levine. DM me if you have any questions, comments, concerns, all that good stuff. Um, I have my DMs open, so go check that out. And my guest today. She is the founder and CEO of Stuff, that's S-T-U-F, which is the future of self-storage. Please welcome Catherine Lau. And we're live. Kat, thank you so much for uh, coming into the studio today. It's a, it's a pleasure to meet you, and uh, and I'm really happy to have you on my show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. So what's a little something that the world does not know about you? A um, little tidbit, a little something to get to know you better right off the bat. Sure. In the early 2000s, I, uh, at the, at, towards the end of college, I was writing a food blog fattycat.com and it is also like the start of um, Instagram food influencing and that sort of thing and my food blog got advertising revenue and I was just like oh my god I'm gonna be a food authority I'm gonna write about food and and I love to eat and um, it was cool it was really fun but then I uh, uh, starting it started work in startups and it just took so much of my time but I look back at some of the friends I developed who like immediately dropped me after I left the food scene. Mm. And I kind of look back and I'm just like, it doesn't feel so authentic. Like you're getting the free food and you're posting about it. And uh, I think I picked the right path, but for a while I was fatty cat. I still am. <laughs> I, re I remember, I, I kind of remember uh, when I was a little bit younger, I feel like food blogging was like, it was the thing, right? It was like the thing. And like, I thought I was so cool because I figured out Squarespace and how to set up yeah. a, a food blog Maybe myself. you were so cool. I was so cool. I exactly. made like $20 in advertising revenue. I mean, but... <laughs> hey, it's more than nothing. Yeah, but uh, I, I also have a lot of friends who work in restaurants and hotels, okay. and I've just heard mixing your passion for food with work is is not a good combo. So I think I did the right thing. I, I mean, it seems like you're on, you did I'm the okay. right thing in the end. Yeah. So talk to me about your first time, uh, as you mentioned, uh, in startups, uh, because obviously that's a big part of, of your life now. Um, how did you first, what were the some of the first startups that you that you worked with? Sure. Uh, so just, just backtracking a little bit, I started my career in commercial real estate. Okay. And so I, I worked for institutional investors, um, did asset management, acquisitions, all types of things. And real estate can be kind of boring. You know, it's kind of repetitive. Um, and WeWork was coming out at the time. And I was just remember watching that, that trajectory, that growth mm -hmm. and being like, Co-working is so cool. I want to be a part of this. I want to, you know, have a slide in my office. And I, nobody really knows this, but I, I would apply to so many different WeWork real estate jobs. Never, ever heard back. 
and then I was lucky because I was working at Equinox at the time on their real estate team. And a, com- a little company called Industrious reached out to me and they were uh, in the co-working space, but really uh, specializing in the, the premium segment. And I joined them as the first real estate hire. And then fast forward four and a half years, hired a team of 20 plus people, led the real estate team, 10x growth, pioneered very different strategies that, that made us successful in the space. And Industrious is now the leader in, in the space. I mean, everybody knows what happened with WeWork. So yeah. uh, it's a little, I don't really share that very much, but yeah. And so, so obviously, um, I want to get into to stuff and what you're doing now. Um, but how did you know? And I read a couple of the, well, the media kit that the person that put us in touch yeah, um, yeah. sent me. So that was really interesting. And then obviously took a look at your background a little bit. But um, you know, I think it's interesting. First of all, I think the concept is really interesting. But I'm more curious about how you went from that transition of you know what you're talking about now to then where you're at now. Right. Um, because I think that there's there's obviously got to be a uh, you know an idea that was on the table, and then to actually execute it and yeah. grow it is a whole other thing. So um, you know how did how did you get to to where you are today? It's a loaded question. It is a loaded question. <laughs> I know. I for many years in commercial real estate um, would tour these office buildings. I would tour retail apartment buildings, and I always paid attention to basements, garages, other types of underutilized space that I, I was pretty bothered by the fact that it would sit empty. And um, that stuck with me for many years. I was so busy at Industrious. I was so busy uh, doing all sorts of things. Uh, but when the pandemic hit, and, and thank God for the pandemic in, in a weird kind of crazy way, because it helped me reflect on my career and what I wanted to do. And so I was either, you know, I shared this with you earlier, going to start a podcast. I was going to somehow become an expert in sourdough baking or, or whatever. That didn't work out. Uh, so I, I started exploring starting a business of my own. And initially, I was really interested in ghost kitchens. Um, so kind of okay. an extension of that that interest. What is food. a ghost kitchen? It's a, it's a shared kitchen, a virtual restaurant. And so delivery only. Okay. Yeah. So you could have a bunch of different brands operating out of the same restaurant and Interesting. Delivery people would come and pick it up. And so I thought that was a really good way to use under, uh, underutilized real estate. But then I looked into a little bit more. I'm like, this is not this is not a business that I want to get into. Um, and then I thought about last mile fulfillment uh, and, and, and kind of the increase of e-commerce and how that's prevalent. Right. But then I had this spring cleaning moment last year where you clean out your closet. I remember this. Clean out the closet and... I just remember staring at this pile of crap on the floor. Like I had felt good for one second, right? But then I just remember thinking, what am I going to do with this stuff? Mm. And it was the first time I even explored self-storage. I never thought about it. I never used it before. Um, But in my research in this area, there is quite a bit of self-storage, but Mm -hmm. it's kind of far from my apartment. Um, It's uh, a little sketchy. You know, as a woman, I I probably wouldn't visit Mm -hmm. it on my own. And I noticed bad reviews and, and just nothing was good about it. And then I thought a little bit more about the space and um, got back in touch with an investor I used to work with and they helped incubate stuff. And so uh, I had a little bit of a, a safety net and, and a network that helped me launch into this on my own. So, Right. So for also just to, to be clear for people uh, watching or listening out there, stuff is S-T-U-F. 
Correct. And Stuff the web- with one F. And the, the website, if they want to go check it out, it's stuffstorage.com, stuffstorage. right? Yeah. And so, okay, so what is it about underutilized spaces that bothers you? I think it's a it's a question of sustainability. Okay. If you're a developer, if you own real estate, you've purchased that real estate or you've built it and it just sits empty. Mm. It just seems like such a waste. And I started looking into self-storage development and so much of development nowadays is ground-up development. So taking good land and turning it to a place where they just where, where people shove their crap, right? Right. And so I think the interesting part about using underutilized real estate is that the the spaces we're looking at are currently empty, but we can provide a neighborhood amenity that brings safer, uh, more convenient, inviting self-storage closer to where you live or where you work. And so it makes it productive revenue generating space. But for consumers, it's solving a real problem that they have. Okay, this might be a really silly question because I haven't um, experienced much of like my parents have used storage spaces. but I, I don't even think I've ever really been to a storage unit, maybe one time. Anyways, what is the difference between self-storage and any other type of storage? Self, yeah, that's a good question. Um, self-storage is where you are in control of accessing your belongings and locking everything. You have to move everything in and out. Uh, and it's um, slightly different than some of the other, other products out there. So there's something called valet storage or on-demand where companies will come and pick up your belongings, okay. take it away, okay. and if you need it, bring it back to you. But self-storage is uh, predominantly what most Americans use right. if, they're, if they're looking for storage solutions, and it's pretty surprising. More than one in 10 Americans has a self-storage unit. Wow, so more than one in 10 Americans have a self-storage unit, and that means that, and, and those are like the places, I mean, you know, for people listening out there that are in Brooklyn, uh, Kat and I live pretty, close to each other we won't we won't say exactly where <laughs> but there's a lot of places that uh, like let's go with like third avenue for example yeah. um where there's uh like these big th- i mean there's i think there's two or big three of them right boxes just along the highway you just don't know what's going on you don't there. know what's going on so when you walk into those places because i personally haven't um it's basically like you get your unit and then you're just responsible for doing that and you pay what a monthly fee is that how it you pay a is? monthly fee there often are hidden fees, though. So okay. adding on renter's insurance, adding on gotcha. a lock, anything else like that. And okay. that's why we have taken a different approach, all-inclusive, transparent pricing, uh, just so you know what you're getting. So where? So how does it work exactly, right? I go to stuffstorage.com. I say I got a couch and a TV mm-hmm. and, you know, my Probably dad, way my, more than that. <laughs> and my dad's, like, you know, trophies from 25 years ago <laughs> okay. what happens then uh we oftentimes will um speak to you over the phone okay. a lot of customers have questions about sizing and so they're thinking okay for my dad's trophies and this couch and and whatnot do i need a small um which is generally like four by five five by five okay do i need something in the medium range or even larger and so we really help advise them uh, and take a pretty high touch approach to to even that booking process um, but once they've booked, we uh, will onboard them. So we'll share uh, a link to our mobile app. Okay. They'll register. They'll have to upload a member selfie so that we have, um, you know, we can ensure security throughout the location. And they'll use that mobile app to enter and exit the space. Um, so they don't have to interact with anybody. Uh, it's touchless, keyless, all that. 
And when you're um, on site and, and moving your items in, we have uh, a beautiful, warm, inviting spaces, so it feels nice. But we also have on-site amenities that help you during the move. So that might be like carts to make moving easier or tape or boxes or things like that. Okay, so and so you guys have, I think I was reading uh, locations right now in four places or four markets. Four yeah. markets. Yeah. So so but your actual physical locations, that's the part that I'm I want to mm-hmm. understand. Uh, what do those look like? They are it's interesting. We have everything from basements in office buildings to okay. ground floor retail spaces uh, as well as apartment apartment like ground floor spaces. So we're in different types of buildings and and neighborhoods so there's so there's the first so there's the first step where like say i'm a um a building owner Mm -hmm. and i know that i have x amount of space available that i just never use um i reach out to stuff i say hey i have this space yeah um how can we utilize it is that kind of how it works yeah exactly so stuff is is really serving two sides right so the end user and, and the landlords and um, when we work with landlords, we pretty much say, let us do everything. So we just need to see the space. We need some general information about it. And we can um, design what we think, you know, what the layout's going to look like, how many storage units, uh, design the entry and access path for our customers. And we'll, uh, we'll actually spend the capital to set up the storage spaces and manage operations, sales, and everything. Wow. So, so... You guys have to obviously see the space, yeah. approve it, because there's probably a whole host of different issues yeah. that can happen in a space. Um, and then you guys, uh, so then like say, I mean, say you have like a very standard room or a basement. Mm-hmm. Um, what kinds of things are you installing in there? So we're installing uh, steel storage units. So really simply, they are just... Um, tracks on the floor and we set up steel uh, panels and doors in, in the sizes that we that we think that neighborhood might need. Uh, and then in the spaces themselves, we'll ensure there's warm lighting. Uh, we'll even install, like we're starting to think through sensors, humidity sensors, flood mm. sensors, things like that, to ensure uh, really streamlined operations in the space. Uh, and throughout the location, you'll notice hospitality-inspired touches. So we're taking a note from hotel lobbies that feel warm, that might have a little seating area, that might have some nice branding or like textured walls and things like that, which you would just never find in a self-storage unit. Maybe one day you and I will walk into right. one of these yeah. places um, in Brooklyn, but it's just not what you're finding today. Interesting. And so so for you, so then basically, uh, say I am that building that's mm-hmm. going to, I guess, in, in a sense, rent out my space to you. Mm-hmm. You guys... Will then pay the building. Is that how it works for their space? We pay the building, but we only pay them through revenue share. So if okay. we make a dollar, we're sharing 25, 35% or 35 cents of that dollar with owners. So we're never um, paying fixed rent like a normal lease. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause that would be, that would yeah. probably get pricey. Yeah. Um, and so then, interesting. And so what's like the average uh, cost for, you know, someone who's listening right now who um, wants to, self-store their things at stuff yeah um you know with the different sizes yeah uh in brooklyn if if you wanted a five by five storage unit so an extra closet you are paying anywhere from 150 to 175 per month and i love sharing this story about one of our customers who lives 
I think a block or two from our Brooklyn location in in Clinton Hill near the Navy Yard. And she emailed us after moving in and said, I love you guys. You saved me $15,000. And we're like, how did we save you $15,000? And she said, you know, I'm a small business owner. I have a lot lot of um, uh, inventory at home that I keep in my second bedroom. And because you're so close by and you're so easy to access and I can actually go to you on my own, I didn't need to rent a second bedroom in my new place. Mm. So in that way, you saved saved us $15,000. And I just, that's a story I always think about and go back to because um, we always talk about stuff being that extra closet, but it really played out for this one customer. Wow. And so do you know what like the industry average might be for that same kind of five by five um, storage unit? Yeah, it's a little lower. So we price at a slight premium in some markets, new markets that we're in will price on par. But for that same unit, it's probably in the 120 to 150 range. But you guys pride yourself on, you know, the other, uh, on like the sustainability um, and just kind of like the better service and experience overall, it it seems, right? Exactly. And and one thing about self-storage that people don't talk about is customers are, they tend to be in these vulnerable, stressful situations. Right when they're using self-storage. So they're moving, which is always stressful, or they had a breakup, or a grandparent passed away, or or maybe their business isn't doing well, and so they have to downsize. There's obviously positives to all of these, but um, because because of those situations, we realize, okay, there's a a way that we can take care of of our members when they are in stressful situations. So uh, I don't think it's something that more traditional operators have really, really catered towards. Okay. And are there minimums for uh, the people that are trying to rent out their space um, as to like, you know, it has to be X amount of square feet? We generally look for at least 2,000 square feet just so we can install enough storage units that it makes sense. Uh, So anywhere from two to 10,000 square feet, generous ceiling heights, uh, easy access into and out of the building. And we love having direct street level access, but uh, we can also have customers go through a common corridor for 30 seconds or, or something like that. So we have a lot of information that we can we have on our website. So if anyone's, you know, anyone listening, they can reach out. I'm curious as to most of the people that uh, most of your customers, um, if you know this, uh, how many times maybe a month on average would you say that they're going to go to their unit? It's so bizarre. So customers either, we have some customers that go every single day. And those oh, are small business little, users. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh, or someone who's very paranoid. So paranoid. We have this one, I can't remember the, the name, uh, fa- uh, famous YouTube hairstylist. Okay. And they put their equipment in our space. Wow. So that's like just a really interesting story. But then we have customers who drop their stuff off and don't show up for 12 months because they are they just need a place to store their belongings while they're moving or whatever it is. So there's certainly people in between, but I think it really skews one of those two extremes for the most part. Interesting. And so I guess technically, as long as you guys approve it, any space that's, as you said, like in the one, 2,000 square feet minimum, um, that's, I'd imagine, pretty clean and standard, uh, you guys can work with. We can work with, and we love being near residential neighborhoods. Okay. Just so we can serve people closer to home. But we can also make it work in downtown central business districts as well. Because, like I mentioned, businesses are often looking for storage. So I've been 
we we I've just been surprised by the business and then the types of customers that are using it. I just assumed it would be mostly residential. Uh, but so I learn a little bit more every day. What are the what are the biggest surprises other than the differences in, in clientele? It's I really it's the small business users. And for me, what I've learned is that some there's so many businesses out there that aren't ready to rent their own office space okay. or have a warehouse or right. something like that. And especially during the pandemic, everyone had their high uh, the side hustle. Right. So everyone started some like e-commerce store or mm-hmm. brand or whatever. And I think that's why we've noticed this uptick versus what we expected. Uh, and a lot of these businesses rely on self-storage as, as like a helping them get their businesses started. So for you, when did when so when did you start stuff? Last year. Mid last year. So mid twenty twenty. Yeah. So we have seven locations now. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. That's impressive. Yeah. And so when you say seven locations though, mm-hmm. that means seven like big unit places that is that like is that what you yeah. define as location? Yeah, 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 exactly. So seven distinct locations, seven addresses. And how and how big are those spaces? They vary. We have everything from 1,500 square feet, our first location, to 8,000 square feet. So they're getting they're getting larger, and the groups that we're working with are more credible, legit, have national portfolios. And so um, I'm lucky because I can I can leverage some of the relationships I've had from before. And so, with the revenue share business model for the person, I guess in a sense, giving not giving, uh, you know, utilizing their space. have you found that it is more like are, would they be making more money per se if they were uh, renting out their space as a fixed monthly rate or is it more is it more beneficial for them you know in a say in an 8000 square foot place um to be getting a part of the revenue most of the spaces we're considering the the landlords tell us this has been unoccupied for years wow. there's not okay. there's not been anything here for a while um, occasionally, some of those spaces have been used for tenant storage, but they're charging a fraction of the the price that we charge. And so, in working with us, we're they're able to generate revenue that they hadn't seen before. And additionally, they don't have to spend any capital to to see that. So, the comparison is like, you know, revenue share from stuff versus zero. So how long how nice. long does it take? Like, say, first of all, how long does it take once you get into the space to like set it up? Yeah. It's fast. It's uh, two to three weeks to get set up. And that's assuming we've purchased all the materials, done the right planning. There is, however, I don't know if you're, you're reading the news, like the lumber shortage, the yeah, chicken yeah. shortage, the steel shortage. I'm sure so it's that quite is, pricey. Yeah, that's, that's hitting us, um, not only in terms of cost, wow, yeah. but also delays. And I just never thought my life would be affected by like, Lumber a prices. chicken shortage yeah. or, a, you know, a steel shortage. That's insane. Yeah. Wow. So, okay. So it takes a few weeks and then, and then how long does it take to, I guess maybe say for like a 2000 square foot mm-hmm. um, space for it to fill up? Well, our broken location, we opened January 1st of this year. Okay. And we That's got full. to uh, 90, over 90% occupancy in five months. Really, wow. really fast. And wow. There is a ton of demand. And where, where for, is that one? Exa- oh, you said that one's near Navy Yard? Yeah, fi- uh, 15 Vanderbilt Avenue. So right in Clinton Hill. Okay. You know where that Russ and Daughters is? Oh, yeah, I think I know where you're yeah, talking yeah. about. Okay. And so it's, uh, 
So it's at 90% capacity. And how- well, now it's, it's, there's, I think, one. And how many one. units are there in that? There are 53. 53 in about a 50, you said 1,500, 2,000 square foot place? Uh, it's about a little over 2,000. A little over 2,000. 53 units. Yeah. Wow. 53 people who need storage. And there's actually a wait list for some units. There's a wait list. Yeah. And so do you find it challenging to find new spaces? No, because that's that's my strength. That's my experience right. for many, many years. Right. And so having been on the ownership side, I get Interesting. I get into their psychology, their brain. And having worked in real estate for a long time, I've just developed relationships where initially it was like, I don't know what stuff is. It sounds cool, but I know you, Kat. Right. So we'll work with you. Yeah. And th- it, we're now at a point where we have seven locations and then a pipeline of 30 to 40 locations. So I really need to do some hiring to, so it's not just me working on it. Yeah, well, if you're listening to, can people, like, people can apply? Please apply, yeah. Where can they apply? Stuffstorage.com. Stuffstorage.com. Please. Wow. And so, so in a, say, in a space that's over 2,000 square feet, um, I don't know if you're comfortable sharing this, how much would you say that the person that's renting out that space is probably going to be making a month, assuming full capacity? It depends on the location. So um, in, in real estate, we often talk about rent per square foot. Right. And so in New York, it's anywhere from like 12 to $20 per square foot per year. And so let me think. They could be making like $40,000, $50,000 on a 2,000 square foot space. So that means what? Doing nothing. On a 2,000 square foot space, so that's about 4000 somewhat dollars. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Okay, and that's that's for literally doing nothing. Doing nothing. And then for larger spaces, which we're now going towards, I mean, it, it's just upwards for like 100000 200000 wow. um, Some of the deals that we're now negotiating are, you know, the landlords are getting 250000 and not having to do anything. Yeah, they really do nothing. Yeah, that's the beauty. And I'm wondering, I mean, yeah, and then I guess the, the, the well, I guess it depends then. Because so you said they're mostly just spaces that have never really been touched yeah. before. If and you have a basement somewhere, let me know. You know, it's funny. I mean, we'll talk. <laughs> we'll talk off air. There's a few things that I'm thinking about, but um, but yeah, I mean, I I think that the the premise is is uh, well, it's brilliant in a way, and it's also um, you know, I mean, I can think of so many different stories of you hear these landlords that like just either some just have too much money for their own goods, so they don't care about renting their space. Yeah. Um, and you know, you guys seem like you handle everything A to Z. So it's just like, all right, maybe they're making slightly less than market value mm-hmm. if they were to search out a commercial, um, you know, a commercial restaurant or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, there's zero headaches with what you guys are doing. Yeah. So, um, and do you sign contracts with them for a certain amount of time? Generally five years. Five years. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, sometimes with extension options and, what you're talking about with these landlords, I think the pandemic was really this this chance for them to to kind of become a little bit more, or gain some more humility, right? It was a really right. challenging time, and it was also a really good time for us to launch because they were much more open to hearing about what we're doing and, and working with us. Right. And do you find that um, – so do you have to be like a member of stuff? Um how does that work? Yeah, we we call all of our customers members, and okay. they. But there's sign... no actual like monthly membership. 
There's a, the monthly membership fee. It's a subscription. Okay. Uh, it's month to month. So if they want to cancel for the next month, they just have to do it within within some prior notice period. And how much is it? There's no termination fee. Oh no, but like the the that subscription fee. Oh, it's just the the one seventy five per month. Okay, okay, it's the, uh, for it for the unit. Yeah. Okay, exactly. gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, and then um, and then they can so there's no but there's no contract in that sense where I mean they have to terminate within a certain amount of time but there's yeah. like you're not set to be there for a year or two or whatever it is. No, there we might get to a world where we have a different pricing strategy, but right. for now, a lot of our customers really appreciate the flexibility that we provide, and it's interesting they often will say, oh, you know, I'm just going to be there a month. Right. Then it's two months. Yeah. It's four months. Well, I, feel like it's 12 months. I feel like everybody does that. Yeah, you because know? people just have too much stuff. They have too much stuff, and then, you know, especially if it's if it's affordable, which it is, um, and the headache of moving, and, you know, I've never heard of someone who just needs storage for, like, a month, really. Yeah. I mean, it always turns out to be at least a couple months. Yeah. Um, and so for you, like, what are the... So for you as a CEO... Um, CEO... What is, uh, what's the day to day? Every day is so different. Yeah. And I describe it in terms of highs and lows. And, and I don't mean emotionally. I mean, in terms of a couple of weeks ago, I was like sweeping the floors and yeah. putting decals up in one of our locations to make it beautiful and, and, and decorate the space. And other days I'm talking to high flying investors who yeah. are like, I want to put money in and I'm negotiating those terms. And last week I did a Yahoo Finance interview, wow. video interview. And so the extremes of, mm -hmm. of being an early stage CEO, co-founder is, is really fun. I, I thrive in that type of, um, like that broad range of work. And it's, uh, I think my, te my team feels it the same way. We're so knee deep, but at the same time, just like celebrating the wins. How many people are on the team this so far, right now? We have five, unless people apply after unless, <laughs> listening to I this. I hope it gets to be like 10, 15, 20. Actually, no, we have six. Someone just accepted an offer today. Wow. Well, yes. congratulations. Thank you. So it's, but so you were the like original, you didn't have like a co-founder that you did it with? I actually did have co-founders. Okay. So the company was incubated by, by one of our investors. Right. okay. And I was still holding down um, my last role as VP of real estate and industrious. And so... My co-founders and slash investors were kind of managing a lot of the day-to-day -day initially. Gotcha. And so when I finally pulled away from Industrious, they were like, we're done with this. Here you go. Wow. wow. <laughs> yeah. And so... So I had the support. You had the support. But still, I mean, so you have seven locations and just now six people. Um, that's a lot. It's a lot. And it's, it's a lot. It's a lot of square lot. footage for such small amount of people. It is. But when you think about the other 30 locations we have in the pipeline, right? it's like a terrifying excitement. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so, but the people that like build the physical location are just like side? Not necessarily. Or, we have someone on our team who oversees design and construction. Okay. He, he does contract out with gotcha. other groups, but I feel fortunate because I've been in a similar situation before where it was just astronomical network growth. Right. And, um... I'm not so much phased by it the way I was the first time. I remember the first time I was like, this place is insane. What we're doing is insane. Yeah. Is it possible? And now I'm just like kind of chill with it because I've been there. Right. And so so it's been, so you said mid-2020 mm -hmm. is when you started. Yeah. So it's like a one-year anniversary right now. 
I didn't even celebrate. Oh, you didn't celebrate? No, was I need Ju- to. Was it June, July? It was actually May. It was May, so it's yeah. like a 14 month anniversary. Right yeah. Now. Wow. I mean, that's pretty impressive. I mean, did you think 14 months ago you'd be in this position? No, I was trying to bake sourdough bread and yeah. it was so bad. <laughs> wow. I think this is a little bit better than sourdough bread. Yeah. You can at least make the sourdough bread now still, but also I have a whole company. I Maybe can't. not. I just buy it now. Just buy it. Yeah, it's yeah. probably better. Um, interesting. Wow. And so what are the, I mean, you know, where do you guys, where do you feel like you're still uh, need to strengthen up? I find hiring so challenging. And I think that might be the climate right now where last year was really difficult, right? With layoffs and everything. But now all these companies are on a growth trajectory and they're hiring, hiring, hiring. And and with only a few people on the team Mm -hmm. and leading hiring for, for the company, it's a full time job. It really takes up a lot of time and you want to find the right team members with the right attitude and experience and and willingness to learn and grow. And that's been the most challenging is just finding the time to to find you to to build the right team. Okay, so I'm in my last year of college. I have a lot of friends that are also in the similar position as I am. What kinds of jobs are you particularly searching for? I'm really looking for, it's so hard because you just want smart people who are willing to learn and grow. And so I don't, I don't want to call it a chief of staff, but like a, like a business ops manager or something kind of general because they're going to be doing everything. Everything from uh, like helping with member experience to reporting and setting up a data dashboard to updating our website or building new digital products. So think that that kind of chameleon type role is one that I found really challenging to hire for. Uh, also trying to hire for a real estate manager who um, can, can help take over the supply growth and supply acquisition. And what else are we looking for? Uh, we just hired someone today. So I, yeah, I think that's really exciting. But we'll, we'll be posting more in the near future. Okay. And so it's, I mean, it's mostly to, um, you know, to kind of take over the the day-to-day responsibilities, um, I guess, or maybe takes hopefully some of them off of your plate. Hopefully, what, I, I mean, we'll what do you there. what do you ultimately hope that your role is as CEO in, in the day-to-day? I think I'm going to be responsible for for three, four, four things uh, a year from now. So, really setting the vision and the strategy for the company and making sure that the the growing team is all aligned. There, I think it's hiring great, excellent people, and uh, making sure that they have a path to grow uh, at stuff. And then the third is is probably um, really around culture and making sure that it's a, a fun work environment, that people are getting out of it what they're putting in. And then lastly, it, it's probably the most important that, that founders talk about is fundraising, making sure mm-hmm. that there is cash in the bank to continue growth um, and to make responsible financial decisions. Have you found it uh, an easy pitch to investors? I think relative to other founder experiences, I have because the experience of having too much stuff or the experience of using self-storage is a very common one. So when you describe it to an investor, they're like, oh, I remember in college that like sketchy self-storage unit I had or oh my God, I use this storage group and they like messed up something. And, and so it's just something that is really relatable.
And now we're just going to take a quick break to talk to you about my longtime sponsor in U.S. Wellness Meats. At uswellnessmeats.com, you can choose from over 350 foods raised the way nature intended. That includes 100% grass-fed and grass-finished beef, lamb, bison, elk, and dairy. They also have pasture-raised heritage pork, wild-caught seafood, and pasture-raised poultry. These are some of the host of foods that you can find at uswellnessmeats.com where the owners are the actual farmers themselves. And now they've introduced a subscription food delivery service and curated sample farm bundles. Choose the bundle of food you want to receive every month and they'll deliver it right to your door automatically. It's never been easier to serve your family real, honest-to-goodness food without the junk. U.S. Wellness Meats is the choice of championship sports teams, professional athletes, chefs, world-class trainers, and families just like yours all over America. Use promo code PODCAST, that's P-O-D-C-A-S-T, to save 15% off of every order at uswellnessmeats.com. Now let's get back into it. But also from a business model standpoint, um, have you found that it's a pretty easy sell? Yes, and a lot of it is due to um, the business model that we structured with landlords, so revenue shares, right. which interesting. which is a really risk mitigating type of business structure. For and for you guys, for us as a business, for you guys. So I mean, the I guess the landlords are the ones that are that are taking a little bit more risk because like. You know, in a in worst case scenario where it's not filled up as it should be, then they're going to be making a little less. Mm-hmm. However, as you kind of noted, um, it is still, I mean, at least so far, uh, generally spaces that have been yeah. underutilized anyways that aren't making a dollar. So yeah. correct and me if I'm wrong. It, that's right. And self-storage is consistently one of the best performing asset classes in real estate. Interesting. Because it is so stable. It performs well in both good and bad economic environments. So like after the recession or even in thriving times, it's pretty consistent, whereas retail is not, office is not. And so landlords, they generally understand that. Now, do you think that there's a world in which you would buy um, or stuff would buy uh, perhaps eat like a legitimate piece of property or land um, and just, you know, make a five-story, 10,000-square-foot um, place? Where I sit today, likely not. But I can imagine partnering with a real estate owner who buys the real estate. And um, we serve as their operator, as the brand on the space. And... I would really only want to do it if it's existing space that we can make better and improve. Gotcha. Because you still want to stay under the, like, because then you would just be kind of doing what everybody else is doing. Yeah, exactly. Right. And um, actually, this, so I guess it's going to sound really boring, but at my um, first job, I worked at Prudential Real Estate Investors, okay. so their, their institutional investment arm. And my fund owned a massive, like a $2 billion self-storage portfolio. Wow. And they contracted that entire portfolio out to one of the leading traditional operators. And I don't see any reason why stuff can't be there in a few years. Because I, I really see us as the modern it brand in the space. Mm. It just doesn't exist. And I think about us the same way that Casper reinvented mattresses, right. which is mattresses are boring. <laughs> yeah, quite boring. Yeah. And- well, I mean, yeah, when you think of self-storage, it's not like the most sexy industry no, ever. No, yeah. But it, it does sound, first of all, it sounds from a profitability standpoint, I do, I can definitely, I mean, you know, tw- probably a hundred times better than I do, but I can tell that it's definitely a very uh, safe business yeah. model, but also um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think that there's so many. It really does seem like the most boring kind of. So boring. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's just storage. And you know Quip, that toothbrush company? Yeah. Toothbrushes are boring. Oh, yeah, I mean, super boring. You never really have, you're never excited to see yeah. your toothbrush. I mean, and so we're going to, we're, sh- the way we're messaging and, and positioning ourselves mm. is such that we become a home organization service. So our, our vision is ultimately that we can uh, enable people to live easier and more organized lives because okay. we're nearby, because we're convenient, because right. we're um, offering warm, inviting services. And the self-storage has never been sold that way. It's always been like, oh, here's a place where you just lock up your stuff. It's right. never right. something that's going to make your life easier. Hmm. That is interesting. Now, you, did you mention something about an app in the beginning? Mm-hmm. And that's... So how's the app work? It's already up and up and running. It's up and running, and we're starting to add features. Uh, new features. But the the minimum viable product is essentially uh, access control. So our customers can use the app to get in and out of buildings in the network. So if they have a location or if they have a storage unit at Fifteen Vanderbilt, they just tap their phone and they, they don't even need to tap their phone. They just have to the, have their phone nearby, and the door will automatically open for them. And so if you're thinking about customers moving in and out constantly, it's so much more convenient that the door just opens for them. Right. Um, And we are also starting to take on um, member photos and track all access history that we've logged in a dashboard that we share with our landlord partners. And we share it because they deserve to know who's coming in and out of their buildings. Mm. And for security reasons, we want to make sure that our customers are the people that are coming into and out of the spaces. Right. And I feel like, well, let me think, what else would I want on my, my stuff app? I'm thinking maybe one day like the, uh, and I know Josh uses this for, for here, but like the little um, ring cameras. Uh-huh. I don't know if that's something you guys have thought of. We thought um, of cameras for sure. Because I don't know. I mean, like sometimes I get paranoid when I have my valuables. Yeah. So just like being able to check on it really quick. And I think the app thing I think is very cool though because yeah. especially in our generation, um, you know, I, I imagine most of these storage places right now don't have nifty little apps. Yeah. Um, we, we thought about cameras because customers can keep an eye out right. on their belongings, like you said. And there are, um, I think we have one customer who's a sneaker head. And you know sneakers right. are expensive, oh, yeah. right? Oh. So And they're probably extra paranoid. Yeah, they're extra paranoid. And... One thing that we've been exploring is, the, uh, what's it called, um, like visual recognition or virtual recognition. Mm. So a lot of our customers want help with sizing up the storage unit that they want. Okay. And imagine using your phone, taking a photo of a pile of stuff and being like, stuff, you know, what do I need? And then uh, the app could say, okay, you need this. And we can send you moving boxes. We can send you tape. We wow. can send you whatever. I didn't think about that. So it's just like cool because we can actually customize a solution for you. Do you think that in the future there's going to be um, like a movers uh, branch of stuff? I think it's tough because moving companies or logistics companies, their margins are really thin. And right. so you need the movers. You need the trucks. Yeah, you need yeah. warehouses Sounds and like stuff like that. But I can imagine us partnering with a really, really best-in-class moving company to offer a same level of service. And so, for you, what have you, what are I mean, just from like the logistical side of starting a startup, um, what have been the biggest challenges and and things you've learned? 
The most annoying thing is registering your business in a state. It's okay. like the getting the LLC. And then if you, um, you know, we have an employee who lives in New Jersey. And so I had to register the business oh. in New Jersey. And then we have another team member who's in Salt Lake City. And so I had to register the business in Utah. And why do you have to register the business just because there's one person that lives there? One person lives there. And so like so you might have to do that for like all 50 states at one point. Maybe. But the government does not operate at a startup speed. So. Oh, no. They, <laughs> I'm not surprised. So it's just so frustrating because I am just like, let's go. Let's yeah. do it. Yeah. Wow. And so like the early days, though, it was just you and the people that you previously kind yeah. of worked with. Yeah. And, and like, what were you grinding like every day? So you were still working, though. Yeah. And um, it was really tough to balance both. Right. But when when I started doing this totally dedicated full time, I mean, our website was terrible and our, um, we didn't have any financial reporting and we had no marketing. And so slowly finding a graphic designer, um, developing brand guidelines, getting a logo, finding a, a web developer. Like I just never, I, these are the things that people don't tell you about founder life right. that there's so much that goes into even just getting set up mm -hmm. before you're even off and running hmm. and marketing wise where do you feel like you guys are at right now we are in the early days and so um initially we thought okay paid search paid social if we just advertise on google or mm -hmm. facebook that's how how we're going to get customers but we quickly learned it's just a really competitive space and a lot of other companies have much bigger budgets so We've actually been pretty scrappy with it. So flyers, postcards, mailers, uh, partnering with moving companies in the area or partnering with apartment buildings. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to get to the demand closer to where it starts. Um, and that has been successful for us because we are a hyper-local business. And, and um, yeah, the, a lot of our customers come from within like a three-block radius, at least in, in New wow. York or San Francisco. I kind of, I don't know, I feel like I could picture, I mean, I'm like, I don't want to say I'm anti-TikTok, but I could see like a little TikTok, like, I don't know if, you, if you've ever been on TikTok. I don't even know how to use TikTok. Okay, no, it's probably good, it's probably good, it's probably the most addictive app on the internet. But I will say, for all of its flaws, um, it, I could so see like a little 10, 50, they have these like sponsored videos mm. that are from probably these, or not probably, these larger companies that, you know, throw money they have their you know whatever ad they're running um and just like a very like very brief 10 15 second video on stuff um yeah and because i could so see that as and i think for even for my generation yeah. um that's you know we're part of this younger generation that everything wants we want everything on the apps on the phones yeah. we want it to be easy because we're lazy yes and um you know if you can afford storage in that price range then you'll probably there's like there's no reason that someone my age or even myself wouldn't use stuff as opposed to another company yeah and we've seen that in in certain markets like brooklyn skews a little younger whereas yeah. in oakland we're starting to see people a little older like in their 40s or 50s so i think TikTok, i'll have to learn it eventually um, but I do think it's a a, a very viable um, it's a platform. huge tool. It's a huge yeah. tool. Yeah. yeah, and you can make it fun and relatable. You, for and, sure. Um, 
we've been doing things on Insta, like videos on Instagram, and I think 90% of customers are watching the whole video, or, wow. or 90% of, of whoever watches it watches it through to the end. Interesting. Which online, like, no one has enough yeah, of an is, intention yeah, span. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a lot, yeah. you know, even if it's a 15-second video. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that, again, because it's not like no one's going to open up Instagram to go see about their self-storage, right? Yeah. But that's not to say that, like, I know for myself, sometimes when I see those, and, and you know, Facebook, Instagram, they're super sneaky about how they, may, how they get their ads in because, you know, the thing that I just searched on Google two minutes prior yeah. shows up exactly on my Instagram feed right then. But I will say, though, it is, um, I mean, they're the best at what they do, but it's yeah. effective in that, you know, if I'm just thinking about storage because whatever, I have to go move, and I see a, a 10, 15-second video, yeah. uh, I, ca- I could definitely see why myself and all of the people that I know yeah. would definitely, you know, go in and check out you know, and, and yeah. that stuff that when when it's right when it's right in front of you. Yeah, I'm uh, a, a highly influenced person. Yeah, so. I think I think we all have become that. Yeah, yeah. So it definitely does work. And so for you, I mean, so it's been about 14 months. Um, where would where what would three years look like, or five years, or 10 years down the line? I think we will launch new types of products. Okay. Um, so not just opening storage locations, but I think um, our experience building out our own operating platform in-house, we were just like all the technology that we've come across is so poor. It's just so yeah. dated. And so um, it feels like it's like 20 years old. And so we, there might be something there for us to think through like a digital product, like an operations product for the self-storage industry or i mean we've been exploring um last mile fulfillment and kind of these amazon locker type products that naturally we have the real estate so we could even experiment with something like that in our locations and kind of like the most far-fetched thing or or far-flung thing is a consumer products company i just think about our mission um, to enable easier and more organized living. And it could be something like the container store, Mm. you know, like offering different consumer products that help people achieve that. So I think self-storage is just the beginning. I think it's just scratching the surface of making, allowing people to live uh, easier and more organized lives. But there's so many options for us out there. If I told you 10 years ago, you'd be a CEO of a self-storage startup. What are you saying? What are you saying to me? I was grumpy. I was yeah. like, no, I'm going to do my food blog. I'm going to be a famous Food Network whatever star. Because at the time, my my job in real estate wasn't, I wasn't doing anything interesting or new. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was doing a lot of repetitive tasks. But I'm so glad I stuck with real estate because I, I love real estate. It's real. I can touch it, feel it. Um, I feel people engage with it and and. It just it makes me happy. What is uh what was the reaction of your friends and family when you uh, told them you're quitting your oh. job to have a uh, self storage startup? Friends supportive. Family not so much. Family, like immigrant parents, came here, worked, from hustled uh, from China. Okay. In the eighties, and they're like, "Wait, you're gonna quit your like great benefits, your high salary." job to do self-storage what is (laughs) self-storage 
But I think ultimately they were really supportive. Um, and it came from a, a place of they were entrepreneurs okay. when I was growing up. They had three failed businesses, and I feel like they were just like, don't go down that path. We've been there. It's been really tough. And for me, this is stuff is a little bit of a redemption. Mm-hmm. Like I grew up here. I've had all the resources of an American education. So many things afforded to me that it's a redemption in that, you know, they, they couldn't make it work, but I'm going to make it work for them. How do you, on a personal level, kind of stay sane on the day-to-day? I started meditation. Oh, that's funny. All my... <laughs> 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 I, had, Everybody... I, had, I had a different... I had another uh, startup CEO in here. Jeez, it must have been three or four days ago. Um, who said the same exact thing. It's a thing. and That's what I hear. It's a thing. You should do it if you okay, have so, it. Okay, so, so I, ask the, I ask each of the people that tell me they meditate... How, what does meditation look like for you? Meditation is, for me, it always happens after a workout. So oh, I'll do a workout, a workout and then my body and my mind will like have slowed down, like we'll have tired yeah, out. Yeah. And then I sit in my, somewhere in my apartment that's quiet, I close the door and I play this like really fluffy music mm. that's like zen and, and whatever. From the Calm app? From um, Spotify. From I actually use Peloton meditation. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. And I just I usually will pick the like the motivational music or the and energizing. You, and you music. go for how long? I'll go for five to ten minutes. And you just close your eyes. Close my eyes. I breathe, and it really feels good afterwards. Wow. Yeah. So other than that, how else do you stay sane? That's only five ten minutes. Is that enough? <laughs> I. I've been better about kind of stopping, stop working at, at call it 11 p.m., 11.30 p.m., whereas I'd probably go like a little later other nights. And um, I am trying to see friends more and more now that like everything's open because right. it forces me to not work and it mm-hmm. forces me to like catch up with people um, and also just learn from, mm-hmm. from other people, from, right. from interactions and things like that. But I think working out, meditation, making time for friends, family, that's it. I've mostly devoted everything to stuff. So And so you wake up generally, what, 6, 7? No, I'm not eight. that good. Okay, uh, yeah. 7.30. So, but, but you're still going, what, like 7.38 to 11? Yeah, but I eat and I, I wow. will turn off. Good. Yeah. I mean, so that's I mean, those are long days. Yeah. Worth it. There, I, I don't find it exhausting wow well that's good i don't find it exhausting i think it's actually a lot of fun and if i am exhausted i know okay i just need to stop right now and for you know people listening out there that um are curious and maybe want to start a startup one day um what do you advise them i i advise that a lot of times you'll get a, a lot of opinions from friends, investors, advisors, everybody. And so I think it's very easy, especially earlier in, in your career, to be driven by that advice one way or another. And oftentimes you have to ask yourself, okay, is this the right thing for the business? Mm. Do I think, what do I think? Right. And that therein lies the answer. And oftentimes the advice will be good advice. Oftentimes it's totally wrong. Right. And I've just been, um, that's been an experience for me over the last year just finding that my own kind of direction with 
with all that noise. And do you, uh, when it comes to investors, uh, do you have like, is there, how did, how did it happen, I guess, in the beginning? And do you kind of consistently try to, to fundraise? I'm really lucky. I'm very, very lucky. And I, I often meet founders or, or read stories where they're pitching for like, they pitch 200 investors and maybe one's interested. Uh, my experience was different because I, I had worked with um, a VC at my last job and Adam um, from Wilshire Lane Partners used to work at that VC. So he okay. and I kept in touch. And when I was so obsessed with ghost kitchens last year, or virtual kitchens, um, I connected with him because he had invested in a few of those companies. And Wilshire Lane ended up incubating stuff. So um, he's also great because he knows so many other investors and right. so was able to really like lead the seed investment um, and, and pull different potential investors. And even from, from that point forward, um, in terms of my conversations with investors, I think I've been really fortunate to have a lot of groups interested in, in the concept because they're just like, right. it's so simple. Like, yeah. why, why hasn't this existed before? Wow. So, so you never had, did, so did you allow like friends and family to invest if they, if they so chose? Yeah, we are um, open to it in our next round. Okay. So we are um, probably going to raise our Series A later this fall. Okay. So it's just starting to ramp up some of those conversations, but definitely planning on having a strategic friends, family group. And now we're just going to take another quick break because I am super excited to announce that I have once again partnered up with Eat Clean Bro. As many of you longtime listeners know, I've been a fan of and worked with Eat Clean Bro in the past, and they are, in my opinion, the best freshly prepped meal company out there today. If you are someone like myself who perhaps isn't the best cook or has long work days and no desire to put together a meal, but wants to keep a healthy and balanced diet, Eat Clean Bro is absolutely the company for you. They have delicious meals that are also incredibly healthy that include freshly prepped salmon and asparagus, shrimp, spinach, chicken, and a whole lot more. I personally like to top off my meals with their chocolate and peanut butter protein balls that are my absolute favorites. If you want to go to eatcleanbro.com today and use my promo code WTG, you'll receive 10% off of every single order. I'm not kidding when I say I really love this company and use them weekly myself. They help me maintain a steady diet and reduce the stresses and labor of putting together a good tasting, healthy meal. Go check out eatcleanbro.com today. Now let's get back into it. And so when you, when you get to a you know, is is there like a, a, I know you have 30 or 40 locations kind of coming soon, but, uh, you know, is there a target number by X time? Yeah. How's that work? I would love to get to, I want to be at 50 locations by the end of 2022. 50 locations by the end of 2022. Yeah. And I think once you get to 50, you're like, okay, I have some critical mass here. Right. This is not a fluke. And you're, I mean, you're talking about big locations. These are not. Yeah, they're starting to get bigger. Yeah. So like now closer to eight, 10,000 square feet wow. each. And um, in those 50 locations, we will be in different markets as well. So not just the, the four that we're in today, but, you know, many more down the road. And I just look at the last six months where from January to June, we 3X'd our number of customers. Wow. We've 3X'd our revenue. And... I'm just so excited about what's ahead because if that was the last six months, um, we're going to have a lot more firepower. Right. 
going forward. And I'm thinking, I mean, so we were talking about this really before we went on air, but, um, you know, like, I personally think it's super interesting uh, to hear you talk about not just your business, but um, kind of your experiences. Uh, and I do think that, you know, I mean, you had mentioned having an interest in starting a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and granted, you know, I mean, these days everyone has a podcast and yada yada. But I do think that it offers um, some very interesting perspective uh, on your background. Um, and I think you should do it. Why not? I have a friend who did it, and she started a podcast About? for um, Asian American stories. Okay. And just with George Floyd last year, the attacks on Asian Americans last year and this year, and, and like continued right. um, uh, like racist issues just coming up across mm-hmm. the country. It just motivated me to think about, okay, maybe I should start a podcast. But there, I, there was not a topic I was I, – like I felt like I could um, create a lot of new value that wasn't mm-hmm. out there or, or wasn't being covered. So I'm still – it's still – I'm thinking about it. I just – I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think – because even when people ask me, like, what's this about, I, I tell them, like, I really like to kind of pick the brain of my guest and kind yeah. of, you know, understand – how they got to where they are today, um, and you know, I mean, I'm I'm younger, so for me, everyone that I have on is in the in the professional space and has a career behind them, and so that stuff I find fascinating. But um, you know, it sounds like you have a lot of very interesting people in your life um, and a lot of very good stories. So I I don't know, I just feel like it's also super insightful to to hear, um, you know, and I'm sure people that would listen to you would follow your trajectory from. Uh, you know, where you are with stuff now and maybe in five years. And yeah. um, I don't know, could be interesting. Might have more content in a couple of years. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But I do think also it's super interesting just the, you know, because the startup world is so, I'm really quite far removed. Yeah. Um, but I've had, a, uh, I've actually, I've had a, a good amount of um, different CEOs from different startups. And, you know, you see the similarities and the differences. And uh, I mean, it's competitive. It's addicting. It's addict. I think that's a good word to. It's really addicting, and I think if I were ever to start a personal podcast, it would be in that sort of space. But we'll see. Do you feel like overall you you? I mean, you said it doesn't seem it doesn't feel like work. It doesn't feel like work because I created it. Right. See, that's where I think you differ from a lot of the people that I've had on, and it's not to to say that they don't enjoy what they do because yeah. they they do, but. Um, I guess it seems, well, I won't speak for them, but it seems very much like uh, there were more of those very, very tedious moments yeah. where it felt like work. Yeah. Um, so I guess it's refreshing, and, and I'm happy to hear for you that it feels less like work yeah. and more like fun. There are moments where it feels like work, for sure, but I would say for the most part, I really like building things Mm -hmm. and so perhaps in this period of time it does it feels a little less like work because everything's creation and creative and strategy and and all that um but i i think it's just fun and i might have a higher pain tolerance i i have worked very hard um starting in college i had like three jobs going at a time what were they or like two jobs and an internship going but I was a bartender for four years. I was a greeter at the Plaza Hotel for wow. event like these fancy weddings. Okay. I uh, 
also had so many different internships working at hotel companies. You went to NYU, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, very cool. Yeah, and real estate internships and things like that. And I just remember that was a lot of fun because I was learning and doing a lot of different things. I was making a lot of money as a bartender. And mm-hmm. I feel like because I, I just went so hard in college that it's been more consistent for me versus starting a startup and having it feel like too much. Do you think ever of the uh, exit strategy? I haven't thought about it at all, but I've been getting a lot of questions about it yeah. recently. And so there's so many options. It's so, right. so soon to say, but I just know that we're so early in our journey that right. it's not the right question to be asking. Right. But ultimately there needs to be, you know, a future path for us, whether that's not necessarily an exit, but you know, we get, we achieve a certain milestone or we, you know, there is an IPO or an M&A or whatever. Uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll see. Do you feel like some of, uh, or have you noticed perhaps that um, some of these other local store self-storage companies have taken notice? They have taken notice. We I'm noticed... sure they're not too pleased. I don't know. I don't okay. know how they feel, but we just noticed in some of their ads the word stuff is starting to appear and it's oh. never appeared before because we've done Wait, research. So give me an years. example. Like, you know, things ads used to say, oh, store your belongings here. Are you moving? Put your items here. And now it's like stuff. Put your stuff here. Put your stuff there. Mm. And and with two F's, though, they're still keeping two the two F's. F's. With two F's. Okay. But I just take notice of that. And I as you should, I, as I should. And I I feel good about it. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, hey, Third Avenue is competitive. It is competitive. (laughs) There's so many self-storage facilities Well, yeah, especially on 3rd Avenue in Brooklyn, for people who know what I'm talking about, um, near the Whole Foods and Park Slope. It's, it's, I mean, there's one that's, I think two actually, that are gigantic. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And, you know, and my mom, who's very, she's very French. Okay. She likes her style. She likes her culture. She likes things that are aesthetically beautiful. She always tells me how ugly those places are. They are. Uh, I mean, they are. They've got terrible colors. Yeah. While we're bashing them. So terrible colors. Uh, they're just not, I wouldn't want to put my stuff there. Let's put it that way. Okay, fair. And did, now I'm going to ask you a question. Yes, did your mom grow up in the U.S.? Or no, she, she's, she's Parisian. Ooh. Born and raised. Yeah, okay. she came here. She came here in 2000. Um, and where I told you I lived, which I'm not going to reveal right now, <laughs> is uh, that's where she first, uh, more or less first came here that's in 2000 cool. when, when I was born. And um and so, yeah, so she's lived here ever since. Okay. Uh, she's also obviously an immigrant. Uh, and, uh, you know, she's done very well for herself with, with her own businesses. And, uh, and so, yeah, but, um, you know, she's, uh, she, she wants to make sure that her neighborhood looks as beautiful as it yeah. is. And so when she sees these big, uh, colorful storage places, um, you know, it's funny because I don't know if we, we might have storage with, with her somewhere, but I know it's, oh, definitely, so not, it's definitely not there. Oh. Uh, and you know what? Maybe we'll start moving it to uh, to one of your locations because it sounds that. it sounds way better. I would love that. I'll even help you move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. But um, yeah. No, I mean, I think uh, I'm very excited to see where where all this goes. Um, for you on a personal level, on a professional level, and um. You know, thank you for for taking the time to to come on today. Uh, an absolute pleasure to meet you. And uh, I guess for everyone out there, stuffstorage.com. Exactly. Thank um, you for having me. Yes, absolutely. And uh, and just so so people are out there. So if they are listening, 
in New York. There are locations here, obviously, um, mostly. So it's, there's the Brooklyn location. Brooklyn, we're just opening a location in the East Village okay. in a week. We have locations, two locations in San Francisco, one in Oakland, okay, and one in LA that'll be opening in the next few weeks. The next few weeks. And then of the other ones that are kind of coming soon, where yeah. are those to, if they're, to, just to keep an eye out? Continuing to grow in those four markets, okay. as well as DC, Boston, uh, and potentially Philly or San Diego. So we will be in many cities by the end of this are year. You, gonna, you think you're going to make your way more towards the middle middle Americas as well as one day? Yeah. I imagine you will. Yeah, we, we'll definitely get there. We're There's a lot of having, free sp- underutilized space there. Yeah, we're having conversations already, but nothing to announce yet. Okay, Yeah. beautiful. And uh, do, you, do you do any of the social medias yourself? I do. Plug away. I don't know if you want if you want On to or Instagram, not. On Instagram, NYC Fatty Cat. <laughs> there, there you go, NYC Fatty Cat. Beautiful. Um, and also follow stuff at Store My Stuff. Store My Stuff. On Instagram. On Instagram, and then uh, and then if people are definitely interested in and you know I have some some friends that I think could be interested uh, in applying for to work with you guys. Uh, it's stuffstorage.com. Exactly, careers page. Careers page, and then they can. Uh, well, you'll probably be handling most of them. Probably, yeah, pretty hands-on. Beautiful. Well, uh, thank you so much again for taking the time, and uh, I'm excited. Thanks, Felix. Beautiful.